Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see everybody that's here in person. And for those who are joining us online, we're grateful to have you join us. We hope that you're blessed. Um, you know, some of these songs are very, um, it allows us an opportunity to contemplate and to really consider uh, the worthiness of our God and, and what it is to, to worship and to praise Him and to consider Him just worthy of our praise. So we're grateful for, for our, our worship team and thank you guys for, for joining us. A couple of things that I want to take care of before we get started, that would be um, our, our contact card. It's always uh, nice to see people uh, joining uh, the group and, and sending us their information so that we can contact them during the week, let them know, um, you know what's going on, have them receive the weekly bulletins or um, just information about events that are coming up. So if you, if, you're not, if you haven't done that, please do so. We have cards here, but we also have um, a virtual card that you can fill in fairly easily, and you'll find that at crosspointchristianchurch.com. Scroll all the way down, and you will see that. Um, I, I, don't, I would also encourage you, if you're into the social media, to follow our Crosspoint Instagram page. Uh, you'll see some videos as well there that we use to, to communicate with, with everyone. So if you would do that, that would be also uh, appreciated. Let me share with you, if you're here in person, or if you still have time to come to us, I suppose, uh, we are going to have a bit of an open house. So you know that we've been doing a lot of work in the building behind me, in the FLC, with hopes that we will soon be able to gather indoors once again, and we plan on doing that in this building. Um, and so it's, it's set up today for us to do a quick run-through, check the lighting, the sound. And so if you're interested in doing that, during, after the English service, if everybody would help us just kind of put the chairs and canopies away, and then to my left, there's a door that's going to be open through which we can go, and you can see kind of the progress and, and see the setup and get a good idea. It's not 100% quite there yet, but it's really close. I think you'll get a good sense of, of what we're looking at and talking about. So I would encourage you to do that if you can. Um, if you would take out your agendas and your schedules, I'm kidding. On the 20th, that will be the Sunday prior to Christmas, we plan on having a Christmas event here, a special service in the evening. Uh, you'll get more information also you know, uh, via email, if you check our Instagram, and I'm sure by next week we'll give you exactly what... Uh, the timing and, and um, more details on that. But the 20th, it, that's going to be a special, uh, in the evening, Sunday evening, a special Christmas event for all of us to, to enjoy, gather, and celebrate this, this glorious event of the birth of our Lord and Savior. Something you don't hear very often, for me, uh, is, is the following. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago now, time flies, we had a... Um, a seminar here, and um, it was promoted through KKLA, Frank Sontag, um, and it, it had to do with, um, I, I, the term is escaping me, but mental health, mental health, all right? And what I want to share with you really quick, this might be for somebody or for several people here, there's going to be a, a seminar having to do with anxiety and fear by somebody that I look up to. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, you'll, you could hear him in the radio every day at 2 p.m. on KKLA. If, if that's something that interests you, 
perhaps as a pastor, I'm aware of situations and people going through things, and, and especially right now during this pandemic, anxiety and uh, just stress and fear seems to be uh, on the rise for certain. If that's something that interests you, contact me, but if you go and look up Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud, and it's a two-hour seminar that's going to happen, I believe, on a Tuesday, December, that will be either 4th or 6th, no, not December 4th and 6th, uh, that will be, uh, you missed it, you guys missed it. Uh, it, it's coming up, it's coming up quick, I believe it's the 9th, and, um, but take a look, if that's something that interests you. I know that's something that, that, that many people can benefit from, hear from church, and people outside of church. We should always be looking for opportunities to be able to touch and help other people's lives. If you have questions about that, see me afterwards. Okay, let me take a look at Galatians 2.20. It's a verse that I know all of you have memorized, and this is in order for us to get ready to take communion as we've gathered this morning. Galatians 2.20, but I'm not going to focus on the first part of the verse, which is the part that we, we for the most part, uh, are maybe more familiar with, but Paul here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, says, I have been crucified together with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And that's very, very important. When, when I quote this verse, it's usually to highlight this section of it. But listen to the second half of this verse, and that's what I want to use to get us to meditate and get ready for, for the Lord's Supper here. It says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, especially this portion, who loved me and gave himself for me. And the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God. And who is the Son of God? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. Ultimately, when we celebrate and take part of communion, we're celebrating God's love for us. And the demonstration of that in the most radical way, God becoming man and willingly dying a shameful and, and painful death on the cross of Calvary some 2,000 years ago, out of love for you and for me. And so I don't know what comes to mind when we talk about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ or his crucifixion, but let it be part of that. Let it be love because it, is, it was his love for us that led him and motivated him to do what he did for us at the cross. I am no longer, I have been crucified together with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's think about that as we take communion together here, as we take the bread, which symbolizes the perfect body of our Lord, who out of love was willing to give it up and have it crucified on our behalf. Let's take that together. And it was that same love that willed, allowed our Lord to shed his blood, his very life 
for us on that cross of Calvary. And this juice represents that life and that blood that was shed on our behalf. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for allowing us this time as your children, as your family to gather, uh, to sing praises to your name, to celebrate communion and remember your love, that you were willing to give up your one and only begotten Son and the love of our Lord that motivated him and was the ultimate cause for which he would give up his life in our behalf. We're grateful. More than words can express. Um, we thank you for allowing us to, to be exposed to your word this morning. I ask that you would lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, that your presence would not only be felt but known through your power. Allow us to receive your word, that your word would, would penetrate our minds and our hearts in a way that would ultimately transform our lives in a way that would bring honor and glory to your holy name. We thank you. We ask this in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, beloved, as you know, we will continue uh, for the next several weeks talking about this uh, series called Biblical Discipleship. And, and part of it is my intention is to lay down the groundwork so that as we begin the new year, Lord willing, and we begin our growth groups and, and we, we begin to roll out our simple discipleship process that we realize why that's so important, why it's so central. You know, making disciples is the mission of our church. And our hope is that God will be pleased in saving many people through Crosspoint. And, and not just Crosspoint, this entity, this, this organism of a church, but through you and through me. And obviously, we don't have to wait for any program to be rolled out. You know, God has called us. To, to go out and be witnesses of His. We've talked about that. And so I'm excited to do so. I'm excited to develop these, these messages that I think are, are, are important, that are essential for us. And, and I hope that you're taking advantage of that. I hope that it's, it's, it's um, blessing you. I hope that it's challenging you. I hope that uh, as we, we come to church, part of your prayer, my prayer should be, as we are going to be exposed to God's Word, that, that God would speak to us. In, in a fresh way, in a way that would bring transformation to our lives. And sometimes it requires some breaking down, maybe some encouraging, some teaching. I hope you get some of, of that uh, every time you come to church or, or you hear a message here from Crosspoint. So today's message is called The Call to Discipleship. Last week, the message was entitled The Case. For discipleship. Now it's the call to discipleship. We're going to look at three points in just a little bit, but I want to share one verse, one key verse with you, which is John 15, 8. John 15, 8. And, um, and then for our message, we're going to look at uh, two verses, which is John 15, 16, and 17, um, only because I would love to do 10 studies on John chapter 15, but, but I'm choosing not to do that and instead just kind of pick and choose some very important points here when it comes to discipleship, and today specifically the call to discipleship. So John 15, 8 says, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, it says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's the Lord saying, 
that it is to his Father's glory that you and I, disciples of Christ, would bear much fruit. And in doing so, he says, showing yourselves to be my disciples. A disciple of the Lord is a fruit bearer, a fruit bearer. And we're going to talk about that today. So the main point of this morning's message is as follows. As Christians, sorry, a Christian's call to discipleship is a person's greatest honor and blessing, which results in God being glorified. You know, the idea that we've been called to discipleship, to be disciples of Christ, there's, and obviously it's synonymous with being called children of God and being saved and, and, and all of that, but a Christian's call to discipleship is a person's greatest honor and blessing, which results in God being glorified. We should consider God's call unto us, unto discipleship, we should consider that the greatest honor and privilege that we can ever experience, that I would be a disciple of Jesus Christ, my Lord, is amazing. So I mentioned a little bit the simple discipleship process that we're working on. We're hoping to continue to roll out. Uh, Sunday morning worship experience is going to be a big part of that, obviously. We want, and, and the reason why that's going to be a big part, let me say this now, is because we hope that we all invite our friends, our loved ones, our relatives to come and experience, to hear the word, to hear a message, to, to understand what, what communion is about, uh, to, to open up the scriptures and, and hear uh, a biblical message that maybe many of us have become accustomed to. And that's a good thing. You know, for many of us, we're used to being able to either tune in online or show up at a, at a church like Crosspoint and, and hear a biblical message that is sound doctrinally. But not everybody experiences that. In fact, most people don't experience that. There are many people, we had one here last week in the Spanish service, who had never been to a Christian church. And he just walked in, happened to have moved in a couple of months ago to the neighborhood, saw the sign, heard the noise on Sunday morning, and just came in two weeks ago towards the end of the service. And then last week he was here right from the start. And his testimony is, grew up, you know, kind of like in a Catholic environment, but my parents never really, you know, encouraged us. We just showed up at church like on special events. And and I'm talking about a, uh, I'm terrible at guessing people's age, but, you know, like a 50, between 50 and 60 year old man. And that's what he told me. Never, never read the Bible, doesn't have a Bible. I consider that such a privilege that as a church, we can be here for people like that. And that's somebody who just randomly found us. You know, and I say randomly, quote unquote. And I told him, you know, there, is no, there are no coincidences when it comes to God's plans. So if God is sending us people out of the street, we need to be willing to reach out to people and invite them to church. Don't worry about who they are, what they think, or if they're willing to come, bring them and, and, and let's disciple them. All right. I won't review last week. Rather, I'll just tell you if you missed last week's message, go online. It's on there now. You can view the whole thing. Um, let me give a little bit of background context to, to the reading in chapter 15 of John, especially verses 16 and 17 that we're going to develop. All right, so uh, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to the Father, 
in a very intimate setting. Uh, if you've joined us in our Tuesday, Thursday Bible studies, we've been going through the book of John for many months now, and we're actually in chapter 15 right now. And we know that the first, about the first half of John, it really has to do with the Lord's public uh, ministry, crowds, you know, miracles for people to see, a lot of trouble with a lot of people. And then right, right at chapter 10, 11, there's a little bit of transition. And then after that, it really deals with the Lord's last week of life here on earth. And it's a much more private setting, the Lord and his disciples. And, and so here we get this amazing chapter 15, where the Lord is talking about him being the vine us being the branches, the Father being the vine dresser, and then Him saying that if we abide in Him, we will be able to do greater things, but that if we're not connected to Him, or if we don't remain in Him, we can't do anything. We can do nothing. That's part of the context that's going on here. And He's, he's talking in the, in the first portion of chapter 15, His relationship with His uh, children, with His disciples, and then that's the second section in chapter 15 starts talking about the relationship between believers. Really interesting. And verses 16 and 17 has to do with the relationship between believers, one another, you and I, within the context of us being connected to and abiding in Christ our Lord. And so John 15, verses 16 and 17, I'm going to read that with that in mind. And it says, Jesus says, you did not choose me, the Lord says to his disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. And that ends the second section of the first part of the chapter. And if you read the first part of the chapter, you'll see that the Lord actually starts in a very similar way talking about loving one another. And that's also a context to take into consideration as we read this. The Lord is saying, love one another as I have loved you. And then he finishes that section in verse 17 with the same thing, saying, these things I command you, that you love one another. Loving one another is the context of that section. So what I want to do as we talk about the call to discipleship, I want to Fill in this, this sentence with the three points. An individual's call to discipleship is, and I want to look at three things that these two verses show us, the Lord shows us, about discipleship. And we've already established that a true Christian is a disciple, and it's only a matter of whether we'll be good disciples of the Lord or not so good disciples of the Lord. And of course, our desire here is not to hit you over the head and, and make you feel like you're a bad disciple, but to encourage you to be great disciples of the Lord, so that we would bear much fruit, so that the Father would be glorified. And it should never be a matter of competition, right? Oh, I'm like an eight disciple. You're like a four, dude. I don't know what's going on with you. you know. And, and, and all the nines and above go over here, and then the zeros to four go over there. None of that. None of that. If you were to ask me, I think we're all between a .01 and a .09 moving towards a one in discipleship, and then we have a bunch of, uh, you know, growth to make in, in being like Christ, all right? So, 
An individual's call to discipleship is, point number one, it is initiated by God. I think this is very important. That's what we're talking about it. The call to discipleship, first of all, is initiated by God. And the Lord says here, talking to his disciples and consequently to the rest of us, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I think that's really important, right? So it was the custom back in the day that people would choose their teachers, their rabbis. They would look around, much like people choose their schooling, you know, their, their educational, especially at the university level. You graduate, you're going to graduate from high school. You start looking at schools. You, uh, if you were like me, you would look at the few that would actually take you first, right? Uh, and then based on that, uh, availability, money, and then you, you, make, you pick. You pick the school that you want to go to. Well, it was kind of similar that way when, when there was a rabbi and then he would have disciples, people would come to him. But the Lord didn't do that. The Lord actually went the other way and he chose his disciples. And that's why he's telling them that. He's reminding them, you guys didn't choose me, but I chose you. The Lord takes responsibility for whom he calls, and I love that. He chose us. We didn't choose him. Very, very important. That might sound contradictory to you, but I would venture to say it's not because of a biblical foundation, but more of a cultural foundation that we've established looking at the modern church. Jesus Christ, the Savior, came to seek and to save. He chooses us. We don't choose him. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have any responsibility, but that's for a different time. My point here is what the Lord says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You know, God is the initiator of all things, and I love that. He created the universe. He didn't need to. He existed outside of the realm of time and space and matter. Don't ask me to explain that one. But he created it. And then, really quick... He creates man, mankind, man and woman. You know what we were before he created Adam? What were we? Yeah, dirt. That's right. That's what what we were. Out of the dust of the ground, he created man and then breathed into his nostril. Don't forget that. And then he chooses Noah. We're skipping right ahead. He chooses Noah. Then he chooses Abraham. And then he chooses David. He chooses Mary to be the mother of Jesus. He chooses his disciples. And beloved, he chose you and he chose me. Aren't you grateful for that? I was hoping to get at least one amen out of that one. Thank you. Yeah. He chose you and he chose me. The same one that initiated the universe, initiated a conversation and a relationship with you. I love that. Let me read a couple of verses. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 says... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us acceptable in the beloved. I'd love to stay there, but... Psalms 8.4 is waiting for us. Psalms 8.4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? We were dust. 
dirt. But value is in the eye of the beholder, beloved. And God doesn't just see dirt in you. He sees his image and gives you intrinsic, incredible value. This should produce in us gratitude, appreciation, a devotion towards him, obedience, adoration, and praise. This is where all of these things come from, from this biblical understanding that God is the initiator of all things, and without him, you and I can do absolutely nothing, is what he said. Do you believe that? You know, most people don't. Most people are trying really hard to generate some spiritual stuff. When Jesus said, if you don't abide in me, if you're not connected to the source, me, you can't do anything. Zero. You know, it feels good to be chosen to a team, right? I don't know if you, have you guys ever played sports? Some of you guys have to go all the way back to grammar school and, you know, you're picking teams for kickball and they, they put a line. The two best players are the, the captains usually. And then you're like waiting, hoping that you're not the last one. Because if you're the last one, you technically aren't really chosen, right? You just kind of ended up in that last team, which is terrible. Many of us could identify with that. And it's all right. It's all right. And it's great when somebody chooses you, right? Uh, I was going to develop that, but we don't have any time for that. Um, I, I think about um, my relationship with my, my wife. She chose me. I don't know why, but 24 years ago, Jaime, that was a little too big of a laugh right there. All right. Uh, but how awesome is it that you can be in a relationship where you've been chosen? You know, 7 billion people, half of those more or less are, are men and, and the other half are women. And, and for, for, for one person to be chosen and for you to be able to choose a person and devote your life to each other, it's a beautiful thing. But God has chosen us to be his eternal family, just like we read. And there's nothing greater than that. God has chosen us to be part of his eternal family. Nothing compares to that. So an individual's call to discipleship, we need to understand, is initiated by by God. Point number two, an individual's call to discipleship is also intended for bearing fruit. There's a reason why he called us unto himself. There's a reason why he chose us to be his disciples. And that reason is for us to bear fruit. He says, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Go and bear fruit. If you hearing Go and bear fruit causes you anxiety and stress or a sense of guilt and inadequacy and anything else like that. I'm just saying what it causes me. I don't know what it causes you. Then we should be very interested in what that means for my life. That the Lord would say, I've chosen you and I've called you so that you would bear fruit. What does that mean? We are saved unto good works, never by good works. We've established that nobody is saved by works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 takes care of that. We're saved unto good works, however. The Bible is full of that teaching in the New Testament. John 15, 5 through 6 says, again, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. By definition, a disciple abides in Christ and by definition bears much fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Not teaching that you can lose your salvation. Here actually the Lord is saying that by definition a disciple of Christ is a fruit bearer and us not bearing fruit is an indication that we are not disciples of his therefore not christians it's serious stuff you know ephesians 2 10 we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that you and i that we should walk in them we are to be about walking and bearing fruit really quick because i want to get to the third point i want to share with you really quick fruit produced in a christian what are we talking about we say fruit being produced godly attitude and character godly attitude and character and i don't mean just at church i mean everywhere galatians 5 22 and 23 righteous behavior you can read that philippians 1 11, and some of these are very obvious i'm just giving you a verse for reference praise hebrews 13 15 talks about that and leading people to christ you can see that in romans 1 13 through 16. so fruit produced in a christian we're talking about godly attitude and character righteous behavior praise and leading people to christ just to name a few so sometimes we think like, oh, I got to produce fruit. And in our mind, we have this, this idea of what that means. It means these and many other things to be Christ-like. So let me share the third point with you because, boy, that time just flies. An individual's call to discipleship then is initiated by God, intended for bearing fruit, and lastly, identified by love for Christians. Identified by love for Christians. Using this section right here, the Lord is saying, bury much fruit. A big part of that is love for the brethren, love for other Christians. He says, I command you that you love one another. And he began that section with the same thing. He talks about no greater love has anyone than this and to lay down his life for his friends. He calls his disciples his friends. We are friends as disciples of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. But it is, but our call to discipleship is identified by love for other christians let me share this really quick john 15 12 and 13 so we're all here in john 15 verses 12 and 13 says this is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends john first john 3 16 through 19 listen to this it's going to be fast but by this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him who does not, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. First John here, John in First John is saying that if you ever have trouble with like, am I a Christian? 
Am, am I really a believer? Am I a follower of Christ? He's saying that as we are obedient to him, as we abide in him, if we are children of God, then we are to love one another. And skipping to verse 19, it says, by this we know that we are of the truth. He's saying, you want to know if you belong to the truth? Do you love the brethren? Or do you see people's needs and shut up your heart and keep things for yourself? Are you selfish towards other Christians? That would be the opposite of being loving. And he says, when you are not selfish, but when you love other people in action, you shall assure your hearts before him. You will be sure that God is in you. It is no longer I who live, but Christ living in me. Let me tell you about a good example of a disciple found in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 42 in the city of Joppa. Right before uh, Peter is called by Cornelius, they find him at Joppa. But what was he doing at Joppa? All right. Acts 9, 36 through 42 says, this is going to be a, a, a quick, good example of a good disciple. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha. This was a lady disciple. Of course, women are disciples of Christ. Uh, I believe this is the only place where a woman is called or, or designated this title of a disciple. Normally, you said disciple, you're thinking a man. Here in the Bible, I love it. Luke is saying there was a disciple, an outstanding disciple, and her name was Tabitha, which is translated Darkas. This woman was full of good works, see that? And charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose, went with them. Then he he, he had, when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And listen to this. And all the widows stood by him. If you can try to picture that. All the widows stood by, this, by, by Peter when he came to visit this dead woman, this dead disciple. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the tunics and garments which Darkus or Tabitha had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known through all Joppa. And many believed on the Lord. Tabitha. Described as a disciple of Christ. And immediately, a woman full of good works. And when she gets sick and dies, people can't accept that. They're having a really hard time understanding and even accepting the fact that, that she's gone. They hear that Peter's around, so they send for him. Peter comes over, and as he comes to the body, if you could imagine, he gets surrounded by widows, and they're crying, and they're showing Peter evidences of her good works, of her discipleship. It got me thinking, you know, one day you and I are going to be, our bodies are going to be in a coffin and people are going to be talking about us. It's going to happen, beloved. Here's a disciple, a good, outstanding disciple. What happened? She got sick and she died. It's part of life. 
But that's not the end. It's like, what did she do while she was alive? And she impacted a lot of people, not just people, but widows. These are people that she could expect nothing back from. And, and, and I could just imagine that. It brought me to tears to try to imagine, here's Peter coming to see this disciple that had passed away, and then he gets surrounded by widows crying and showing him, look, this is what Tabitha did for me. When I didn't have anything to wear, she did this for me. She bought this for me. She gave me this. And look, she did the same for me. And there's another one. Look, look at what she did. Everybody bringing all this evidence of her good work. That's a disciple, beloved. That's a disciple of Christ, full of good works. I love it. I just want to show you that, that example. Um, we don't know a whole lot about this Tabitha. You know, I, I, she probably just didn't have a lot of excuses, and she did whatever she could for the least of these. I don't know what God has in mind for you, what he has called you for specifically, but let's be obedient to that call, beloved. He initiated that call. He intends it to bear much fruit, and it is identified by love for other Christians. Let's be about that. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this message, and I pray Holy Spirit, that you would lead us, that you would teach us what you want us to do with that, that we would live in community, that we would ask questions, that we would seek you and your will for our lives. We want to be good disciples of yours, full of good works that bring honor and glory to your name. We thank you. We ask you this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.